Good morning, Valley. We are so glad you're here. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's worship our Savior and King together.
declare it today. Let's sing this out. He lives. See the tomb where he laid. See the stone rolled away. He is risen. He is risen.
I think everybody has their favorite board game. Uh, I'm not a huge board game person, but I do like certain board games. How about you? Do you have a favorite board game? I got one. Mine is Stratego. All right. Yeah. When I was a kid for Christmas, I got the game Stratego and many of you have played it and I got into this game and I really loved it and I got good at it and I basically won the board game every single time. I mean, I just could not lose this board game. It just clicked with my mind or something and I, I kept winning it. And then one day I, uh, I played uh, another player. Her name was, she was uh, in my school. Her name was Gail Beaver. And Gail had never played Stratego before. And so I thought, well, here, here we go. Another, the next victim, right? And, uh, and, and as the game rolled on, um, she made some unusual moves that I wasn't expecting. And as the game rolled on, it became apparent that I was possibly going to lose to a first time player. And this did not feel good. And, and then it kept going on more and more. And finally she made the last move and it's like, okay, now all hope is lost. I am going to lose this game. And finally she took, she took the last piece and I was like, I'm done. She got captured in the flag. And I, I'm toast, I'm history. I could not believe I got beat in Stratego, my favorite game. I had never lost to a first time Stratego player. And I'm telling you, it, it, it really shocked me. And uh, I thought, do I really like this game? And, but I took that and I said, okay, I, I gotta get better at this. And so I kept getting better. But as I played over the years, and I've gotten beat lots of times, um, but I've also won lots of times. Here's the thing, is that is that, that feeling of, of losing in, in a board game, there comes a point in the game where like, like you, you begin the game with great hope, and then as it goes on, it looks like I, I could lose. And then there comes a point where I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. Here's something I've noticed about most folks. Most folks don't like to play board games that they lose at every single time. I mean, if they never win, if they have never any hope of winning, if they always lose, most people don't just keep coming back for that. Because what? There's no hope of winning, right? We have to have some hope that there's a possibility I might actually win. At the beginning, sure, but, but as you go on, you don't stay at it unless you have some hope of being successful. And, um, and you know, here's the thing. I, I think there, that life is like that, too. And I think sometimes we find ourselves in situations. It might be in a relationship. It might be in a job situation. It might be just in life itself, relationships, whatever it might be, where we come to the point and we've lost hope. It's like, I don't see a way forward that this is going to be successful. Sometimes that just overwhelms somebody's entire life. 
And you can lose a lot of things. You can lose your job, you can lose money, you can lose health, you can lose a lot of things. But when you lose all hope, it feels like game over. And it can become a very desperate place. Thankfully, most of us don't get that, that way to that point. But what have I said to you today? That there is a way that you can begin to build a hope that is boundless. A hope that is always there for you that won't disappear and that, yeah, you might go through hardships and valleys, but that it's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. What if you could have hope in any and every situation? That's what I want to talk about today, Boundless Hope. We're beginning a brand new series called Boundless Christmas, and we're going to talk about how Christmas brings all these new categories of boundless to us in our lives through the birth and the life of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you'll uh, join in with us in these every single one of these weeks ahead. We're going to begin in a very familiar place in this series. Uh, and if you have a Bible uh, or you can follow along on, on here on the, uh, the big screen, uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, uh, the birth narrative or the account in Luke's gospel of the birth of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you today five ways to experience boundless hope. Like there's always something out there for you. You're looking forward to the future. And these are kind of counterintuitive ways of building boundless hope. Okay, here we go. Uh, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Note that name. It's important. He's the emperor. That the whole empire should be registered. There's going to be a census. That's what they're doing. Uh, the first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So Luke is anchoring the story of the birth of Jesus Christ in history, in a real place, at a real time, with some of the big-time players that were uh, leading uh, the world at that time. And Caesar Augustus is on the absolute top of that place because he's the emperor of the Roman Empire. It's the big bad uh, uh, guy on the street, right? And so everybody is, is, is going to be taxed or sen really a census to, um, to, to count for Caesar his empire. He wants to know. There was a crisis going on because there had been a drop in the birth rate in the Roman Empire. Caesar Augustus was very concerned about this. And Caesar Augustus was this incredible leader in many ways that, that knew how to turn things around. So he was a powerful guy. And... Um, just a few of the achievements of Augustus. He, he provided Rome with a new start after years of chaos, civil war, and ruin. He overhauled the, and improved the administration of the empire. Uh, and he, he did a lot of public works projects, built bridges, roads, aqueducts, improved a lot of conditions. Uh, also, some stuff really flourished under him, like literature and art and so forth. Uh, he inaugurated this uh, restoration of all the old temples, provided a, a new form in order to provide work for the unemployed, so he did some of that. Rome became a splendid city of gleaming marble under Caesar Augustus. Uh, and uh, just about maybe 20 years before the time of the birth of Jesus, he instituted reform legislation that was designed to improve the morals and restore the virtues of the empire. Because there had been a great decay in the morality of the empire. There were laws passed against adultery, restrictions against luxury and ostentation that were kind of people over the top uh, and taking advantage of people. And Augustus revived respect for the gods and goddesses of old. And this ushered in this kind of peace, Pax Romana, or the peace of Rome. After all these years of civil war, Augustus 
finally kind of settled everything down through his leadership, oftentimes through brute force. I mean, he sent in armies and they killed a lot of people and they, um, and they enforced a, a lot of, of their laws at the end of a spear uh, or an ax. Um, and so the empire that was founded um, was really coming into its height, into its own under Augustus. And this Pax Romana or universal peace um, existed throughout most of the Roman world. And it really set the stage for the entry of Jesus. Um, now, Augustus was so, so powerful and successful. He was so powerful and successful. How powerful and successful was he? He got his own month named after him. We call it August after Augustus, right? Look at some of the quotes attributed to Augustus Caesar. This is how people thought of him. Okay, we got a few of those. Here's what people said about him. The most divine Caesar, we should consider equal to the beginning of all things. Life has started over again. For when everything was falling into disorder, Augustus restored it once more and gave the whole world a new outlook. Wow, he's amazing. Caesar, the common good fortune of all, the beginning of life and vitality. All the cities unanimously adopt the birthday of the divine Caesar as the new beginning of the year. Happy New Year! That's how they started the new year, with his birthday. Whereas the providence which has regulated our whole existence has brought our life to the climax of perfection. Life is almost perfect in giving to us the Emperor Augustus, who being sent to us and our descendants as Savior, yeah, he has put an end to war and has set all things in order. Keep going. And whereas having become God manifest, God in the flesh, Caesar has fulfilled all the hopes of earlier times. The birthday of the God Augustus has been for the whole world the beginning of good news concerning him. Wow. Thine age, O Caesar, has brought back fertile crops to the fields, has wiped away our sins and revived the ancient virtues and the fame and majesty of our empire were spread from the sun's bed in the west to the east. As long as Caesar is the guardian of the state, neither civil conflict nor violence shall banish peace. Caesar, peace on earth. That's what they're saying. So it's very significant that the Christmas passage that we go to by Luke is begun in this manner. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. Luke is putting into context a, a leader who is viewed by many as savior, wiping away our sins, bringing peace on earth to a different sort of savior, to a different kind of peace, to one a peace that will last. Caesar, you can tell how many hopes are placed into Caesar, the ruler, the government that he led. So you have this very, 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 very powerful man named Caesar who appears to be just ordering people around. And everybody, it says, everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So he's going because the, the big important person, the savior, the peace on earth guy, Augustus, the emperor, 
is telling everyone to go. And so Joseph, under the providence of God and the sovereignty of God, goes to Bethlehem. The reality is that God is, is moving the pieces. He is the ultimate strategist. He is, in a sense, playing stratego, and he is going to win. Because the reality is, it's not, this story isn't setting us up to tell more about Caesar Augustus. It's to introduce us to a new Savior, to a better Savior, to an eternal Savior, the one who changes people from the inside out and who brings peace and hope to the world. And his kingdom will last forever. So Joseph goes up to Bethlehem because he was the house and line of David, city of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was introduced in an earlier chapter in uh, the Gospel of Luke, who has been foretold by the angel Gabriel that she's going to give birth to a child who will be the son of God. She's going, she, a virgin, is going to have a child. She was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And then she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger. This is an animal's feeding trough. Um, and the reason for that is because there was no guest room available for them. There was no room for them. There were so many people packed into Bethlehem. They got there. They don't have a place for a pregnant woman to give birth to a child. And so this new Savior who's going to be presented to us has the simplest and humblest of beginnings in a, laid in a manger. No crib for his head. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. So we're setting up the story of two competing ways to have hope. One is by putting our hope in this leader who is powerful from an earthly perspective and has a lot of giftedness and who's very, very, uh, could be very brutal also. Or there's one who comes in the gentlest and most humble ways. If you're going to have boundless hope in this world, first principle is this, focus on on the good news most people ignore. When Jesus came, nobody was paying attention to him. Nobody, this was not a big event. It didn't make the headlines. Very few people heard about it. Almost no one was paying attention. The big news was Augustus, Caesar, Emperor, Savior, will banish peace, uh, reform everything, wipe away all of our sins of the past, that's who's going to make a difference. That's whose kingdom is going to really do something for us. And Luke introduces a different sort of Savior. Little um, plot spoiler here. Augustus is going to die. And, uh, and eventually that empire he founded is going to decline and eventually will be destroyed. In fairly short order, actually. And everything that he did is going to end and there will be all the same things, the wars and everything will come back. And few people think today on an everyday basis about Caesar Augustus. Except at Christmas time, because he's the, uh, the emperor when Jesus Christ was born. So they weren't paying attention. Today, the same is true. I think for a lot of people, they're looking for hope and they're looking in the wrong place. They're looking for some entity, for wealth or for power or for government or for their job or for their career or for whatever it might be to bring them hope. And they're overlooking the quietness 
of Jesus. They're overlooking the humility of Jesus to transform and to bring hope from the inside to the outlook, right? That's what we're saying. So if, if you know, our, our culture makes a huge deal about stuff uh, that just doesn't matter. I remember um, a few months ago, there's some kind of uh, news that was put out that there's, gonna, there's UFOs, there's some evidence of UFOs, and people just, you know, some people got really fired up about this. And it's like, whatever. You know, is it really going to make a lasting difference? And, and there's so many different things. And not that those are bad or new discoveries or whatever. They're all great. But are they going to bring you lasting, boundless hope that really will endure and stand the test of time? If you're going to have boundless hope, you've got to focus on the good news. There was good news of Augustus, but there's good news of Jesus. You have to focus on the good news that most people ignore. Keep going. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Shepherds are absolutely the lowest uh, socioeconomic group. They were utterly despised. People didn't trust them. They, they were viewed as dirty scoundrels. And some of them deserved that. But everybody was, if you're a shepherd, was kind of thrown into that category. And of all people, God chose to reveal the birth of his Savior by an angelic host to these dirty, rotten scoundrels, the shepherd group, the outside group, the outcast group. They were terrified when they saw this. They were out minding their own business, doing their own thing, talking about, you know, their favorite sports team and talking about, you know, their favorite video games, whatever they talked about in the first century. And then suddenly into that silence and conversation comes this angelic um, announcement. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. There's a clue for you about where you're going to find hope. Don't be afraid of the future. Don't be afraid of me. Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you, here it is, good news, gospel, same word, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is for everybody. Good news of great joy for everybody, every single person on the face of the earth. Today in the city of David, and this David word keeps getting repeated. Why? Because in the Old Testament, God had promised that he was going to be, bring a new king that was going to be in the line of David, a descendant of King David, the greatest king of Israel. He was going to come in his line. Jesus was genealogically in the line of David. And so he's now in the city of David. He's born. A savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the promised deliverer, the promised savior of the Old Testament. He's been born. The one you've been waiting for centuries, he's been born in Bethlehem in your town. Whoa. Now suddenly hope begins to emerge. He is the Lord. Now that really strikes you because he's the Lord. He's, he's not just the Messiah, promised deliverer. He is a human being. He is a baby now born, but he's the Lord. This is God taking on human flesh. Christ, Messiah, the Lord, God himself has come to us in human flesh. Mind blown, it should be. This is something that has never happened before. In spite of the claims of, of, of the fans of Augustus, he was not God manifest. He was just a guy. Very gifted, powerful, could be brutal, but he was just a guy. This baby is more than just a guy. He is fully human, but he is fully divine. This is where boundless hope comes. You have to have someone who is outside the boundaries of normal humanity, fully human to identify with all that we are, but also fully divine. Keep going. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in a cloth, check, that's normal, lying in a manger. That's not normal. That's weird. That's unusual. You don't put babies in dirty, filthy mangers. I'm sure they clean it up some, but there's only so much you can do. Animals have been eating out of this for probably decades. So that's a sign. You find a baby in a manger, that's the one. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. If God favors you, if he shows his mercy and grace to you, something amazing can happen in your life. You can experience the glory of God in the highest heaven and peace, actually peace, not just the, uh, the uh, ending of hostilities, but something deeper than that. True um, harmony with God, with other people. You can begin to experience that. This is good news because God in the, in the birth of Jesus has brought hope to the world. There's some strategy that gets us out of the mess we's in and whatever mess you're in. God has a way and a plan to carry you through this, through this life, through many dangers, toils, and snares, his amazing grace to get you to the other side and to an eternity. That's good news. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that, that see this sort of, but they've never quite understood it or, or, or embraced it. Um, Years ago, the church, before we had a church building, which, which was built in the year 2000, we, had, uh, we were in offices. We had offices, and um, one was here in West Des Moines over by Valley High School. And in the front of this office, uh, large office building, there was an entryway, and the entryway had a glass dome as you walked under it. It was a big glass dome over the top of it, and that kind of sheltered you as you walked into the building. And one day I walked out of the building, and I noticed there was a bird that was up in that dome. And he kept flying around and he kept, he kept flying up to, the, to the, the, the sky that he could see through the glass and he kept hitting the glass. And he would try it again and kept hitting the glass and he kept trying again and kept hitting the glass. No matter how he tried, he couldn't get to where he wanted to be. Birds are meant to fly. Birds are not supposed to be trapped under a dome of glass, but that's where he found himself. And I think there's a lot of people who find themselves in that situation. They keep trying everything and nothing works and they lose hope. You know, one of the cool things is though, eventually the bird just gets worn out and drops to the ground. And guess what? At that low point, finds out, guess what? There's a way out of this hopelessness. I can, I, the sky's over there, I can fly there. And now he flies, not into the glass dome again, but into the, the blue sky and now experiences what birds were meant to experience, flying in the sky. That's what God wants for you and for me. We try other stuff and we keep running into the glass ceiling, but he wants us to experience boundless hope. In order to do that, we have to, here's the second principle, believe the good news of joy and peace. We have to believe the gospel. We have to believe in Jesus. We, we, we come to a place where we've tried all our stuff and we finally come to the place where we say, okay, this is the good news we've been waiting for. And you have to believe that. That somehow Jesus Christ can bring to you the, the, the joy, good news of great joy, and the peace that you need. Not just for today or for tomorrow or for next week, 
but for a lifetime and for eternity. If you've never crossed that line, today's the day to say, I, I want to find, I want to discover that, and I'm willing to take that step of faith and trust in Jesus. For many of you, you've done that, but you, we all need to be reminded of this from time to time because the gospel isn't just for when you believe the first time. The gospel is for every single day of your life. We need to retell ourselves the gospel again and again and again. And we need to believe it again and again and again. It is our hope. Jesus is our hope. Um, I would just encourage you as we begin this Christmas season to revisit a place that has given literally billions of people peace and joy in their lives. And that place is Bethlehem. That place is the birth of Jesus Christ. That place is the good news of Jesus. So in your own mind to experience hope boundless hope, I want to encourage you to refocus your energies on the news that everybody ignores and to believe the good news, the message that the angel brought, that Jesus really does love you and care for you, and he came for you because he wants to give you hope. Keep going. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's get after it. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And Luke throughout this account keeps kind of understating everything. He doesn't, you know, have all sorts of bells and whistles and parades and fireworks. Now, we did have the angel, big angelic announcement. But other than that, we just have very plain factual statements given to us. So Jesus kind of comes in under the radar, as it were. But here's what I love. They heard the message, and they said, let's do something about that. And they found what they were looking for. Um, as, as a child, um, we had a tradition uh, growing up in a Roman Catholic background. It was common for you not to set the Christmas tree up in your home until Christmas Eve. And then you would wake up as a child on Christmas morning, and there was the tree and all the gifts under the tree. So when I went to bed on Christmas Eve, the house was just like it always was. But on Christmas morning, it was transformed. And let me tell you something. It didn't take much to wake me up very early and have me running out because I hadn't seen this thing, this tree and these gifts for weeks and months on end. I hadn't seen anything. And so out of the blue comes this incredible all this incredible sight. And I think that's what the shepherds had here. You know, they weren't so accustomed to this. It's brand new for them. And so they said, let's go, let's see. And they hurried off. Look, look at all the action words here in this passage. Let's go. They hurried off. They found. Go, hurry, find. Go, hurry, find. There's passion here. This getting, uh, there's uh, getting active with this. A lot of people didn't experience a first Christmas. They, were, they could have. I mean, they could have looked around. There was a huge you know, star pointing out the birth of Jesus. Nobody looked. A lot of people missed it entirely. And you know, that's, that's the truth. A lot of people don't visit things that are right nearby. Even people that live in a town, you know, they, they have some incredible tourist site or some incredible natural site, and it's nearby. But they, they you know, tourists come or other people come to see it, but they got to admit, I, I actually have never seen it. They don't visit what's right there near them. It happens all the time. 
There were a lot of people in Bethlehem that completely missed it, but not these outcasts, not these, you know, dirty rotten scoundrels that most people rejected. They, they say, God's got something for us. And they found hope because they did what you do. And that's go, hurry, find. Go, hurry, find. Get after it. And they said, they assumed when they went to look, they assumed that they would find. And they investigated for themselves and there was nothing that could keep them away. And the truth is this Christmas season that you, I want to encourage you that, to assume that if you seek, you will find. That if you pursue, I don't mean casually think about this, but I mean you go after a firsthand encounter with Jesus, that you will find him. Not that you will physically see with your eyes Jesus Christ, but that you will find the hope. But it can't be casual. And it can't be when I get around to it. It's got to be more passionate than that to go hurry find, right? That's what they did. We can experience that good news. Here's the third principle. We have to experience the good news firsthand. They heard an announcement and that was great. If you will, they heard it in their outdoor church worship gathering with the angels, but that wasn't enough. They had to personally pursue it for themselves. They took what they heard in church, if you will, and then they went for themselves in their real life to experience God. Um, there was, as an author, um, teacher by the name of Bruce Wilkinson, written lots of books. And um, one of his books was on firsthand faith, what he called firsthand faith. And that is... There's really three generations of, of faith that people can experience. The first generation, like these shepherds here, they experience faith firsthand because they hear the message and then they personally go and experience it themselves. They pursue it, they investigate it, they learn it, they embrace it. It's real to them. That's the firsthand faith. Then there's secondhand faith. And that's sometimes the generation after those people because they don't, they, they experience it, but it's kind of secondhand. It's like they hear their parents' uh, faith and they believe that or they heard people before them and they believe it, but it's kind of secondhand. It's not really firsthand. And then there's the next uh, generation and they don't have really any experience and they, they maybe walk away or they just ignore it altogether. What I want to encourage you, if you want to find boundless hope, you have to have a firsthand faith. You can't be disinterested and say, well, I'm not going to pursue that. Don't settle for just, okay, this is something that, you know, was given to me and I, I enjoy. No, take what was given to you and then actually pursue it yourself, like personally. Make this your own. Don't just, you know, it's, it's been said God has no grandchildren. And, and I, I, you know, what they're saying there is that God relates to you, wants to relate to you firsthand. And so experience the good news firsthand. If you want to have boundless hope, it's got to be that firsthand. So go, hurry find and keep going until you find. Don't be satisfied with the secondhand experience of God. Okay, keep going. After seeing them, they reported the message. They were told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Every year after Christmas break, um, we would all come back to school together in our elementary school classrooms. And sooner or later, the conversation would roll around to what we got for Christmas, right? What gifts did we receive? And, and the question was almost like one word. What'd you get? 
What'd you get? You know? And so we tell each other what we got. And, you know, some got more than others, some got less than others. But we told what we got. What'd you get? And I love the shepherds because they told what they got. They were excited about what they got. They, it says they reported the message. They told the message. Um, they were told about this child. They took the, they saw the child and then they heard the angelic announcements. Good news, great joy, all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior is born. He's Christ the Lord. God has come down in human flesh. He's the Messiah promised of old. And they told everybody, he's here. And they were sharing this message. They were not ashamed to tell what they got for Christmas. And um, I want to say to you, the fourth uh, real key to, to experience boundless hope is sharing the good news with enthusiasm. When you get to the point that you've really understood the transforming message of the gospel, so much that it actually wants to make you, you want to not only embrace it firsthand for yourself, but you actually want other people to experience it firsthand. Now you're on to something. Now you have a faith that is more than just something secondhand, it's firsthand, and now it's, you're passing it on to other people. And guys, there's something, I don't know what it is, but there's something about joy and hope that comes when we talk about stuff we love, Right? Okay, I'm going to tell you something, guys, and I know most of you could care less, but I'm going to tell you it's important to me. I, I, I'm an alumni, uh, alumnus of Indiana University, and, and we have a basketball program in Indiana. It has a long and storied history, but the last few years have been kind of rough in Indiana. And this year, we finally have what looks to be a pretty competitive team. We're currently ranked number 11 in the country. We've won every game so far. We've won some tough competitive games already. And I'm telling you, Indiana fans are excited. It's a basketball crazy state. I'm a basketball crazy alum, and I'm excited. And guess what? I talk about it to other people. I'm talking about it to you. You could care less, maybe, but I'm talking about it to you because I'm excited. And there's something, I don't know, especially when you get around other people that will, are interested and will listen or whatever, or they can talk about their team. There's something about it in the telling of it to other people that builds hope in you. It's like you're talking about it to other people and you're somehow enthused by this all. In the telling of it with enthusiasm builds hope in our own hearts because most of us verbally process or at least we, we hear what we say and there's something about that, that that reinforces it in our own hearts and souls. When we just keep about and think about it, but when we begin to share it with other people and, and more, especially as followers of Jesus now in the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you share actually share the message with somebody and they get stoked up or they go hurry and find it for themselves and you see their life transformed and amazing, I'm telling you, it builds hope in you. Because you share it, somebody else gets excited, and you see it, the difference it made in their life. Just uh, uh, a couple Sundays back, somebody came up to me in the atrium with great excitement, uh, had heard the message of Jesus at Valley Church, in our messages, in Alpha, through various friends and so forth. And she came up to me and she said, Pastor, i got to tell you, I've crossed the line of faith, I've come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now that, her life has been transformed. But you know what else is? I've found more hope. Because I found that this gospel can transform people. It actually changes people from the inside out. It's changing her life. So in telling the good news, a lot of people miss out on hope because 
we're so privatized about our faith and we're reluctant to share it because people might be offended. And that's true. Some people might reject us. That's great. And there, by the way, can even be hope in that. You, you experience the presence and love of God even when people reject you. But there's some people who actually believe it. And there's no hope like, like and the power of that and the anticipation. What's God going to do when you share the gospel with somebody and then they actually believe it? And that's what was happening here. By the way, guys, we are, we're having a, a conference coming up January 8th called Good for All. It's going to be amazing. And this is about equipping you in our culture, which is sometimes um, hostile, antagonistic, but also filled with opportunities. We want to equip, empower, motivate you, fire you up, and train you up to be able to experience this. Yes, for the good of our community, for the good of all people, but that includes a blessing for you because there's an incomplete hope you have when you don't share what you know. Trust me in this. And if you're like, I don't know how to, or you do know how to, you just want to dive more into it, get signed up. Do not, you know, pass go. Do not collect $200. Just get signed up, right? For the Good for All Conference. It's going to be amazing. And by the way, I might add this. The balanced hope of Jesus not only affects individuals, it affects entire cultures, societies, and civilizations. Because the truth of the matter is, if you look at human history since the time of Jesus, the world was a really, really brutal, dark, difficult place prior to the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's still a tough place, I'll admit. It's still a fallen place. But wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ has spread, in true, pure form, it has transformed the cultures. Hospitals were, were established largely because of Christian passion and influence and care for the poor. Um, uh, schools, education, compassion initiatives, uh, scientific uh, ed, uh, initiatives and discoveries. If you look at human history, it's actually believers in Jesus that were fired up because there was a God who created, there's a God who cared, there's a God who transformed, entered all these areas of life. They were transformed entire whole cultures. Now I know there's places where Christianity got corrupted, and you can look at that in church history and see it pretty carefully. But when it went in with its pure form, the true gospel, it always transformed in positive, amazing ways. And still today it's happening. Valley Church, we see it happening. Caring for people in poverty. Restoring hope to people that are discouraged. Giving, um, uh, giving new opportunities for people that have been coming out of, are coming out of incarceration. Um, helping families to be restored who are on the brink of, of divorce and, 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 and disaster. Helping people who've gone through the pain of a divorce to put their lives back together. And so forth and so on. I could go on forever. The gospel is good news. It is good for all. And that's why we share the good news with enthusiasm. And lastly, it says, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which are just as they had been told. So you got, here's the fifth principle. Let me give it to you. If you really want boundless hope, you have to spend some time treasuring the good news by slowing down and appreciating more. This is what Mary did. She slowed down. I mean, it was crazy, everything happened. They just get to Bethlehem, have the baby, angels come, shepherds come, eventually magi come, a lot of 
crazy stuff was going down. She just gave birth to the Son of God. But she paused, reflected. It says she, she treasured all these things in her heart and meditated on them. She took time. She slowed down her life enough to just say, what just happened? What has God done? How has God blessed me? What has happened in my life, in Israel's life, in the life of the world? What does Christmas mean, in other words? That's what she was treasuring up. She treasured it. She said, this is of value to me. And she thought long and hard about it. And I think there's a lesson here for us. That sometimes it's a super busy season. But at least carve out a few moments, especially here at the beginning, before it really gets kind of nuts. And spend some moments thinking about what the meaning of Christmas really is. Just like Mary did. Treasuring them up, meditating on them. What does it actually mean that God came into the world in human flesh? And he came as a savior for me to take my sins away and to give me everlasting life. What does that mean? What does it mean that God actually compacted, contracted himself without ceasing to be God and to take the form of an infant? What does it mean? And really reflect on it. And I think as you spend a little bit of time doing that, hope will build. And you know, some of the pressures of life, which are true and real, and some of the difficulties and, and, um, and challenges we face in life, we need long-term hope that anchors us. And this is what Jesus is all about. And then it says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard. So theirs was more vocal. Mary's is kind of quiet. Theirs is more vocal. What did they do? They shouted, they praised, they glorified God, they worshiped. And they did it, it says, together. Uh, for all the things God had done. And they, they got together basically with other people and praised God. So what does that mean? Prioritize times of worship just like this. And get together with other people and celebrate what God's done. This is why we sing Christmas carols. This is why we have worship songs. This is why we spend time in prayer and worship and the word together. Because we celebrate, just like the shepherds did, all the things we've been told that are true and real. So, sometimes nobody else is paying attention to the central message of Christmas, the central message of Christianity. And as followers of Jesus, we do. We have to, if you really want boundless hope, we got to, um, treasure the things by slowing down enough and appreciating more what we have. Sometimes I think we just take it for granted that we have all that we have Jesus. And sometimes when we just take it for granted and maybe even put it on the back burner, our faith, then the hostilities and the challenges of life can overwhelm and, and, and we lose hope. Back to Stratego for just a minute. I don't know what your favorite board game is, but there's times when you get to the place, and, and this is great, when you get to the place and you see the pieces are now in place, I'm going to win. I can see the pathway to, to victory. And this is what Christmas really is. It's the beginning of the story of Jesus where God is lining up all the pieces. Yeah, there was an emperor and he was basically an errand boy for, for God Almighty. He wasn't big to do. He really was an errand boy for God Almighty. He brings the peace into place. He gets Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. The, king of, the son of David is born, the new king of Israel. And all the pieces are coming together. And it's called Christmas. And that's the pathway. 
all the pieces have come together. Now I can see the route to victory, the pathway to boundless hope. That's Christmas. Father in heaven, thank you that all the pieces are in place. And now as we come to your table, to the bread and the cup, these two are pieces that have been given to us of reminders of the hope that we have in Jesus. We take the bread, which symbolizes his incarnation. He took on flesh at Christmas, and then he went to a cross for us. And the cup, which symbolizes his blood, that was coursing through the veins of an infant at Bethlehem, that coursed through the veins of a Savior on a cross, and that coursed through the veins of a Savior who three days later rose from the dead. Help us now when we eat this bread and drink this cup, proclaim you again, your birth, your life, your death, your resurrection, until you come again. And all God's people say, amen. God bless you all. You can partake whenever you are ready. Have a great Christmas season.